0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. (laughs) Um, My nephew needs me to record. See, I I already hate it. I hate it.
0: All right, hello, and welcome back to a Thursday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I am now joined by rbr wrestling my favorite pro wrestling podcast long time host the original host william r washington william good afternoon how are you sir
1: i am good good afternoon chase
0: it, it's it been a little bit I, it's been a few months since we talked uh yeah what i was
1: last on in july oh man a different time <laughs> you'd think so but honestly it yeah, all not really. together was it really
0: <laughs> not all that's different um I I have to start off this this podcast with you Will because you have maybe the most insane wrestling mind I've I've encountered in my in my life. And I don't and that is a uh, you were talking about it on RBR I think last week of just uh, you keep watching WWE because you're like I just I have to use all this information that I just have. Because so, I don't
1: want to have gaps it was yeah. I, it, what I said was um I'm afraid of having gaps in my wrestling knowledge. And right. that's really the only reason I keep watching. I, I, I'm I,
0: right there with you with sports. It's like you're kind of like tied in this forever where I don't want to have that gap. And I think that's why I take notes on everything because <laughs> I I can just go back and look at it. I don't like just like you with sports and different things where I'm just like, I don't like not knowing certain things in the back of my mind. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, So I'm going to ask you a question about just, we're going to do an obscure... Wrestling fact to get, uh, get shake the rust off. Well, oh, okay, <laughs> wasn't prepared for this, but that's the point, right? Yeah, that is it's a free flowing conversation, sir. Okay. Um, all I'm gonna say is this particular wrestler, and you're just gonna give me a random fact that most people would not associate with this professional wrestler. Are you ready? Oh, sure. All right, the obscure wrestling fact that comes to your mind when I say the name Maven. What first comes to your mind?
1: Oh, that he's actually related to Booker T. Is that true? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just had this thought the other day, because for whatever reason, my daughter was asking me about Tough Enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they're like, um, I know there's some kind of cousin, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, but I know, because they have the same last name. And like people were like, wasn't it weird that you guys have the same last name, Booker, uh, Booker Huffman and Maven Huffman? And I think it was like, yeah, we're actually like related on our, on some side. I don't remember what it was, but I know that they actually do have some relation. Well, it's gotta be the dad side. Yeah.
2: That's wild.
1: I did. <laughs> okay. This is great. What a game.
0: I'm glad I did this. I learned this today. I did not know this was a thing. Um, well, that's awesome. Um, I have a lot of questions that I want to throw at you today for the podcast because this has been a pretty solid week of wrestling. I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, pro wrestling likes branding things and um no. i don't think there was enough new year specials
1: this week what do you think <laughs> i know right uh between what new year's dash new year's smash <laughs> and new year's evil and then yeah. the raw didn't even bother raw, raw was just like hey legends night well they just don't care like
0: raw is just yeah. like whatever no one's getting excited yeah. for raw like we can put it whatever brand we want to spend on it but uh I don't even want to talk about Raw outside of like McIntyre, Goldberg I want to pick your brain about but like the Hogan stuff, just awful, everything about it just I, I Raw just bums me out like I, I want to avoid talking about Raw as much as that, humanly possible
1: That's um, fine by me, I, I barely watched it this week and by barely I mean didn't I just caught the highlights mm. uh, on social media later but you know, it's my, it was my New Year's resolution to try and be uh, I guess to not care as much about having gaps in my wrestling knowledge so I was like I'm going to start by skipping Raw and, uh, I don't. Think I this did. is
0: going to happen. Well,
1: you're too programmed. How old are you? Uh, Thirty-three.
0: Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I know. You're fighting uh, years and years <laughs> and years of hardwiring. I don't know. If Basketball
1: doing... season being back, it helps because hmm. it was like you know I can at least throw on some games right now and watch the Nuggets uh, go two and six. Uh, what are they now? Three and four. Yeah. Uh, and four. I think, so as long as they beat the. Uh, I think 10 and five. maybe I'm wrong. No, Let me see. Uh, they just beat uh, Minnesota in back-to-backs, and then they have uh, Dallas tonight, which I'm hoping they can go four and four. At which point, then we don't have to talk yeah, about the them being point. at the bottom any longer.
0: Well, that's probably true. Um, and I'm look, both our teams are 500 teams at the moment, uh, <laughs> so that's fine. But we're going the opposite way. The Hawks started off hot, and now they're they're really struggling down the last couple of days. Um, Phoenix versus Kenny Omega. Hey. We,
1: my kind of wrestling. Is it already at the top of your match of the year? Of course, yeah. yeah. And the thing is, this is coming from somebody who, for the first year um, ever, I watched Wrestle Kingdom live. So uh, it, it is. Um, it, it would be very easy for me to pick a couple of matches from Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega um, to me was the kind of match that uh i i like mm. I, I, I i i mean obviously it's the kind of match i like but the kind of match that i want to see in a main event for a title in that um you took somebody like a ray phoenix who uh you know the lucha guys um you know talking about uh you know when you think of lucha guys the first one that comes to mind is ray mysterio and um part of what made Rey mysterio such a star was his ability to work with non lucha guys um and uh and so it was like the watching the styles clash made Rey mysterio matches like the the big one that comes to mind with people is Rey mysterio and kurt angle from summerslam 02 mm-hmm. um but uh there really hasn't been an act since Rey mysterio that's been able to do that until i feel like Ray Phoenix. Like I feel like Callisto like had the opportunity, but they were just never willing to go um, all the way with him. But I feel like Ray Phoenix. Give it a couple more years. I think we're close. <laughs> but I feel like Ray Phoenix is that guy, and he's in his 20s. So this isn't a guy who's like late into his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Ray Phoenix has plenty of time left to continue to pull this kind of stuff off. But I feel like uh, he is that guy who um, is a young lucha wrestler who has the ability to get in there with a non-Lucha guy and just tear it down. And I feel like this wasn't his first go-around with Kenny Omega. They had, um, as a matter of fact, Kenny Omega having the uh, the AAA uh, um, championship came via match with Ray Uh And it was also excellent. But this here was just solid across the board. And it's one of those matches where, like, you know, uh, Kenny's not going to lose the belt. But it, it was more about... Seeing what Ray Phoenix is going to do next because Ray Phoenix is so not human with the stuff he pulls off. I saw a tweet that said that it had me cracking up. It was like, um, thinking about what a normal human would do in a wrestling ring is probably what Snoop Dogg did in that splash. And <laughs> the complete opposite of that is is what Ray Phoenix pulled off. And uh, which means he he can't be human.
0: There were moments in the like do you, I don't even know what to call this sequence where just the it looked like an inverted Canadian destroyer where like or he comes off the top rope and Kenny flies on his back like I those kind of moves just scare the shit out of me in real time. Yeah. Just it's so quick and both of them are just so fast and the timing was perfect in this match, but. I that was what stood out to me, um, that spot. And I I mean, obviously, Kenny was not going to lose this match, but this was one of those bangers where you're just like, let's just let two amazing
1: professional wrestlers get time and just kill each other. Yes, I agree. And I had so much fun watching it. Uh, I, mean, and I think the post-match angle was even better. Yeah, so the post-match angle was interesting because, um, you know, the, it, the Bullet Club is one of those things that has been tried and referenced everywhere in the United States. And so well, I've heard of the club.
0: Here? Give me more <laughs> info on this bullet club.
1: Of course, the bullet club being mm-hmm. the biggest faction in new Japan's history. And, uh, at one point was led by, um, Prince Devitt. Now Finn Balor, um, was later led by AJ Styles. And, uh, I said that to get to the point where AJ Styles was kicked out of the bullet club in 2016. Um, by his protege and new leader of the Bullet Club, Kenny Omega. There was a moment where they uh, – it was AJ's last match in New Japan. I believe it was at New Year's Dash 2016. Um, and they uh, – Kenny had hit a one-winged angel on AJ Styles, and then uh, then the Bucks kind of questioned, him, like, what are you doing? And then they superkick AJ Styles. And then the Good Brothers come out, and they kind of shove around, and uh, and Kenny – raises up the uh uh the too sweet and the bucks raise it up and then the good brothers too sweet them and they all stomp aj styles and kick him out of the ring so that was really like the last time we saw this five of the bullet club together um was that night because shortly after that gal and anderson actually then left new japan and followed aj styles to wwe um so that was like the last time we've seen this this five was five years ago and uh and of course the, the Bullet Club later split into two factions um with the 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 lower members of the bullet club and the elite members of the bullet club which later just called themselves the elite and then left the Bullet Club as the elite and then started a wrestling company called all elite wrestling. Hmm. Uh so <laughs> um it's funny the 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 entire existence of AEW is really based around the Bullet Club. Yeah. Um and so thinking about that uh what was kind of cool here is of course you know Kenny Omega being a heel now and aligned with Impact Wrestling's Good Brothers um, Gallows and Anderson and the Good Brothers showed up after the match to attack John Moxley who you know what was funny was Moxley comes out with that barbed wire bat and uh, you know he's been kind of taunting with the barbed wire bat for a while I think he's used it a couple of times in AEW but this is the first time I probably noticed that That's real barbed wire on that bat. (laughs) I was like, you know, maybe they work it every once in a while because, like, when he actually hit somebody with it. But when it actually, like, put holes in Kenny's arm, I realized, oh, that's, like, a real barbed wire bat. Why would you work that? And then, like, when Kenny was using it on Moxley and it was, like, sticking to his shirt. I don't know. (laughs) That was one of those things I was getting me, But, yeah, the the ending was kind of cool because I feel like there's a lot of story to tell there where... Uh, you know the good brothers made their way out And they all the um, AEW guys who are at ringside Jumped the barricade and Were basically trying to protect uh, The sacred ground that is Daly's place from mm-hmm. these invaders And then out runs The young bucks Who look a little bit confused um, But then they super kicked uh, Or at least Matt Jackson did cause apparently Nick has an injury to his leg And so he just motioned to do it But uh they had super kicked um Griff Garrison and Pillman. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Yeah. yeah. And uh but that came off it didn't come off like a um oh this was a, a setup kind of thing. It came off like a you know, we're here for our friend because uh you know when you're bullet club, you're bullet club for life. Mm-hmm. And uh it's like we're here for these guys because we're lifetime you know, we were, we were with this group from the beginning. And, uh, so, uh, you know, if your guys are doing some kind of reunion, we're with you, but like they seemed reluctant. And so I like that because I like that, you know, the immediate moment is, uh, kind of the opposite of what they did five years ago, where it was Kenny and the Bucks who raised the two suite and then Gallows and Anderson joined in on it to, uh, and that was like a, oh my God, they just betrayed their best friend AJ Styles. And this is kind of the opposite where it was Kenny and the Good Brothers raising the two sweet and the Bucks were like okay and they raised it too and, and joined with them but I have a feeling there's more to come uh, but it was a cool moment it was a really cool moment uh, it was one
0: of my favorite endings of a progressing <laughs> show in a while um,
1: <laughs> did you see the we talk uh, about Kingston
0: and, did you uh, see the
1: post show stuff I have not um, they, have, they had a moment where um Callus and uh, Kenny uh, and they uploaded it to Twitter are headed to their car like they did uh, on the episode uh, at Winners. was coming. Where they sold the title, yeah. Yeah. And they're stopped by Alex Marvez and they talked about uh, and this is one of those like little subtle things that I kind of like that AEW does where they said that next week the Elite will be in action but they didn't show the three wrestlers of the Elite. They just showed the Elite logo. Um, mm-hmm. And Kenny... And uh, so, yeah, Kenny and um, Don Callis are talking about it. And Don Callis says, yeah, next week, Kenny's going to team with his best friends, the World Tag Team Champions. And uh, you're going to want to see this. And then they get in the car. And uh, I thought about that. And I thought, he didn't say which World Tag Team Champions. And I feel like that was one of those little details where like they made sure that the Good Brothers were seen With their belts when they came out So that we know they are a set of tag team champions And So when you say like Kenny teaming up with his best friends The tag team champions Your initial thought is supposed to be Oh he's teaming up with the Bucks Mm -hmm. Like he usually does But then like I could see next week the Bucks Thinking that you know getting prepared for the match Thinking it's them and then saying no I meant The good brothers And that we start to get the dissension between the two Hmm
0: i'm excited for it i think it's gonna be fun i think this is an interesting development i would this was another one of those nights where it's just like man i wish this was a full building like i wish this was a fully packed show because this kind of angle to close aw would have would have been would have been wild um and i think i was there for AJ Styles going away bullet club um ring of honor appearance in atlanta oh um so it kind of reminded me of that where they all two-suited in the middle of the ring and everything and um to wrap up the show before aj dipped to the royal rumble um the right person to defeat hikaru shida is who because it is not azkaban who fell last night, and that is what <laughs> I would call... Abadon, you uh, mean? <laughs> no, I call her Azkaban. I, I've written in my notes multiple times Azkaban. I can't, like, as a Harry Potter stan, yeah, I just can't. Yeah, I like, I hear Abandon, and I just I, I think Azkaban, and I just write in my notes Azkaban. And I think it's actually a cooler name. So, as the pro-wrestling czar... well, I don't know if you got the memo that I've... <laughs> I right. superseded Tony Khan on this front. Uh, Shout-out to Tony Khan. Uh, but... Yeah. Uh it was a good match and I like Abandon a lot in all seriousness. Um but I just I don't know who the right person to defeat.
1: Oh, uh, I was. absolutely know who it is, and who? I feel like that's why they've been holding off. It's Britt Baker. I There's no way know. it's anybody. There's no way it's anybody but Britt. Like the fact that she turned heel, um, what, a year ago at this point. It mm-hmm. was uh on the first show of twenty twenty, where she came after Riho for her Um, lack of appearances Mm. and uh and so like that she spent a year kind of developing the character um and really coming into her own she's also bulked up a lot and she's in like fantastic shape these days when she came back from injury and like i don't know i i called her beef baker on twitter (laughs) because like her arms just she just got she definitely just spent that time off just like working out and uh, she's in great physical shape. I feel like she has really come into her own in the ring. And uh, I think as kind of the most dynamic character in the women's division, um, I'm glad that they didn't do that thing that, um, that WWE does, where as soon as somebody is like starting to develop a character, they're like, all right, put the belt on him. Um, I like that they gave it a year. And if we can hold off till even the next pay-per-view uh, revolution, which is in a month and a half, uh, I think it would just be a great crowning moment for Britt Baker to have really come into her own as a character. Um, like thinking about the fact that it's almost been a year since that promo in Cleveland, where she said Cleveland, you finally have a Baker you can believe in, um, which was such a great line. Uh, and just having, Brought all that back together. I, I feel like she's the right one, hmm. but I wouldn't do it till the next pay per view. I'd maybe give Sheeta a few more retentions.
2: Hmm.
0: I don't know. I maybe. yeah. I don't know. I don't know who the right answer is there, but uh, I would not be opposed to I guess Britt Baker, but I'm also just not the biggest Britt Baker in ring fan.
1: So I don't know. I like well, her character a lot. I'm not well. I think yeah. that's what the AEW women's title needs right now. I feel like. Is a um, character Yeah, it, it needs a character Because I think part of the reason a lot of people are down on it Is because one of the things that helped establish the AEW world title The men's world title Was Chris Jericho um, In that Chris Jericho is such a presence in a, a character That I feel like had they just put it on um, a, a baby face Even if it's a good baby face um, That's kind of a an uphill battle you have to fight Because at that point um you there's there's not a whole lot of want um and huge desire to see that title change hands uh whereas like you put it on chris jericho immediately you know his first challenger was cody and that gave um that gave the title uh, a big presence because like there's a lot of people who believe that cody should have been the guy to beat jericho and then he didn't and then it was moxley Um, Well, to be fair to
0: Chris Jericho, he's not ever been a person who's a fan of a peaceful transition of power.
1: (laughs) That's good. I like that. Uh, But yeah, like that's uh, but I feel like that helped give the title um, that sense of prestige. Um, Where, like even Cody knew that because when Cody won the TNT title, um, he worked heel in a lot of his matches uh you know they had put him against a lot of baby faces like he worked the baby face character but then once he got in the ring he worked from that angle of you wanting to see the title change hands and uh i feel like that was also effective but i feel like that hasn't really existed for the women's title because like rio came in uh, she won the title right off the bat and she was just kind of white meat baby face and then um then it was put on Nyla Rose, who I think in that show you were at in Atlanta, like cut a really solid promo. Yeah. On, best wrestling uh, show I've ever been to. Yeah, that that's I gave that my show of the year. Uh and but she cut that promo about um uh where she said, Nobody is a beast like me. Like, I love that promo. And then the pandemic happened and she got stuck in Washington, DC for two months and Uh, She lost two months of basically character Building of like making you want to see her Lose the title and they put the belt On Sheeta because like it was really the right Time for Sheeta anyway because She had just racked up so Many wins like they kind of put her on that streak She still hasn't been beaten in a one-on-one match Like it was one of those things Where she had won so much That it's like how do you Keep her strong But not put the belt on her When you have this like ranking system where she would have to become the number one contender. Um, And so they put the belt on her uh, and she's been strong since, but there still has not been that character in the women's division that can make you want to see the title change. And I feel like that's going to be Britt Baker. And I feel like she'll be the one to, even if she eventually loses the belt back to Sheeta or they find, I don't know, somebody else like they sign as Alina Vega or something. Um, I feel like she will be the one to, give the belt the presence it needs that's fair
0: do you like the new tnt title i think it's even better they keep getting a little bit better
1: each yeah each i like region. the black strap I, li- I like the tnt title all around like i i get why people didn't like it to begin with um but i knew what the problem was because like i get custom belts made all the time i'm looking at three of them on my shelf mm-hmm. um and so like i i saw it immediately when they handed cody the belt and i was like oh that's that doesn't have a coating on it that just looks like zinc plates um, And I was like that looks like It's just zinc and then they painted the TNT logo uh, And the championship banner But that does not look like a finished belt And sure enough and then they said it wasn't And there was a lot of people who were like Oh yeah the, the AEW just making excuses For their bad belt and I'm like no I know what like an Unfinished belt looks like that does not look Like a finished belt I've seen this Uh, And when they brought it In the finished version like I like it I know there's people who don't like the empty space um, And uh, I follow the the guy who made the belt um, on Facebook and I got his reasoning for the empty space behind the TNT logo, um, which is that it's the TNT logo, like legally that's the TNT logo. And he was like, if I modify that in any way, which the TNT logo is literally a circle, an empty circle with the letters TNT in it. And he's like, and I was not allowed to modify the TNT logo in any way. So, um that's why there's empty space. You just, like tell TNT to get a new logo and I could change that. But I think it works, it, like recognizing what the TNT logo is. Um, and then, yeah, they changed the, the strap to black, which was funny because I played around with that in Photoshop when they first brought in the belt because uh, I was like, you know, I wonder how that will look on a black strap. And I'm like, oh, that kind of looks sweet. I wonder if they'd ever do it. And I'm like, eh, they probably won't though. And so when Darby actually came out with it, I got excited. I'm like, they did the thing with the black strap there you go but that sounds more like
0: to me and i'm not speaking for all rbr wrestling fans but for me that sounds like some william aw washington spin um
1: (laughs) uh yep yeah it's my new middle name Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah i uh i don't know because like last week they announced that they were giving the the old belt to brody jr and um and they said that next week, or they said they were going to give Darby a new belt. And I even questioned on RBR, I'm like, how would they have had time to make a new belt? And so I should have known it was going to be the same belt with just like a modified strap. Um, and that's cool. It looks fine. Uh, I I thought it would have been maybe too weird to debut an entirely new design. Like, I don't know where the time would have existed for that. Mm. Because it's not like Brody's been gone more than a two weeks and it takes way longer than that to develop a new belt yeah Um, quickly on some non AEW subject
0: matter I want to get your perspective on Will Um, you and I we Facebook message about Damian Priest a lot you're very invested (laughs) in his character you're very invested in where NXT has gone with him you love his voice I'm also right there with you love his voice on NXT he's got one of the coolest voices in professional wrestling I think that's the best thing he has going for him also, he's tall, which uh, Vince Vince loves. Um, he might be moving to SmackDown. Rhea Ripley looks to be written off from NXT as well. She'll be making the jump to Raw or SmackDown. Are you at all excited about seeing either of them
1: on the main shows? Um, I think uh, I think the smart thing to do if Rhea Ripley's off NXT is to just hold off on her to the Royal Rumble. Um, mm. And, like, don't debut her on Raw or SmackDown, but have her be, like, surprise entrant Royal Rumble and win it. And then, all of a sudden, she's made roster. Um, I am excited for her because I feel like Raw's women's division is kind of non-existent. Uh, I, my buddy uh, Joe Holbert on Twitter made the joke that uh, Raw quietly retired the women's title because, like, it wasn't even defended at the last pay-per-view And I don't think it was defended at the pay-per-view before that because it was Survivor Series. So it's really been quite some time since... Well, Charlotte has been around. The rule is if Charlotte's (laughs) not around, the the Raw Women's title doesn't exist. Right, and the thing is, like, Charlotte's back now, and so the focus is on the tag titles, but one half of the tag champions is the Raw Women's champion. So you just haven't done anything with the Raw Women's title at all. Uh, Well, they've been busy. So So, had appear. I mean, I can see them... uh, My. Gut feeling tells me that they'll do the reversal of last year where Charlotte wins the title off of Asuka and then uh, Rhea wins the Rumble and challenges Charlotte. And so we get the rematch from last year, except this time um, Charlotte's on the defense and uh, and then that allows Rhea to get the victory. I don't know. Um, as far as Damian Priest is concerned, I don't know. Um, you know, I saw the story that he was going to be inserted into the Roman Reigns, Kevin Owens storyline. Okay, I don't know how that works or how that fits. Um, we'll Easily. See. Oh, I don't know. I don't know where <laughs> yeah, it goes. I thought you maybe had some actual reasoning.
0: No, no. Um, David Priest is fine. Um, I could see him actually. He's got a lot of Baron Corbin on the main roster vibes, where he'll just work a bunch of matches. He'll be in world title feuds so will just be around and never actually get the belt, never actually be treated as the top guy, but just like, hey, we need someone for a triple threat match to work yeah, with Roman I Reigns could, and Kevin Owens. And that's I could who very he much is. see
1: that. Um yeah, I could see that. And uh but I'd like to be pleasantly surprised because there have been those acts. Uh, I've always said that there's been certain acts that like didn't work in NXT and then ended up having more success on the main roster. Like Elias is one of those acts who um just had way more success on the main roster than he ever did in, in NXT. But then on the other hand you have somebody well, like a Finn. Hold on.
0: I would like to see a few more weeks of him and Jackson Riker before I really, <laughs> really am comfortable saying that he's not in a good place at the
1: moment. Uh yeah. Um uh, I, I don't know. Uh but as far as, you know, your Finn Balor's or guys like that, like they get called up and then um or like Keith Lee is another one where uh, so far i'm not like super impressed with the call-up yeah he's had some good matches but otherwise like what is the character where does he stand um so yeah i don't know we'll see what they end up doing i feel like ria's a really tough one to get wrong but also you know they got oscar mostly wrong uh so <laughs> uh it's very possible to to screw up kind of a hot act and we'll see what they end up doing with it yeah that is
0: fair um last thing we'll wrap up here. Uh Goldberg. I know you're excited to talk about this with Maxwell tonight on RBR, but Goldberg versus Drew McIntyre is happening. Are you at all interested in this, this match in this feud?
1: Why? Uh and I, I asked that question from multiple or per, er, multiple perspectives. Like uh w- what are we doing here? Um Goldberg uh is I guess a baby face, though like his promo from this week, which I guess he was supposed to like have ad-libbed some stuff because Drew didn't get to cut his promo because of time crunch, and so Goldberg referenced the promo that didn't happen. Um and so Goldberg kinda comes off like a heel, but is he? And he's also like a heel that can only work two to three minute matches and he only does two moves in them. So but part of like Drew McIntyre's big appeal is that he is kind of this like ass kicker who goes uh, who goes out there and has like these long ass kicking matches. Um, and I don't necessarily know what we're supposed to get out of this pairing uh, other than more people in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> it's like, hey, this is some whoever Drew was going to face now gets to be in the Royal Rumble. So I guess that's cool. But other than is that, is there gonna be I a don't... spot
0: where he tries and spears Drew, and Drew goes for the claymore, and they knock each other out?
1: Um, I guess. Look, I don't know what this is supposed to be. Uh, the, the other thing too is like, what is the appeal of Goldberg anymore? In that, uh, it's not like, like I know people always talked about how Goldberg's first WWE run was kind of botched and talk about the things they got wrong with it and they're like oh they make goldberg look like a loser in that run but like goldberg in that run lost two matches uh whereas in this run i believe he's lost to lesnar he lost to undertaker he's lost to strowman um is that it mm, i don't know i think that's um, it that sounds right i think right. that's it but either way i feel like the the he's mystique lost
0: fans that uh <laughs> he, he's lost fans that would prefer he not kiss his son in the mouth
1: yeah <laughs> I feel like uh, the idea of the unbeatable Goldberg is already done. He's lo- he's lost to a good number of guys because he's um, old. Yeah, he
0: is, which is fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing they did with Taker. It just like the matches just started adding up, and you're like, man, he's lost a lot at this point. Like it's just on the way out. He he loses a bunch of matches. Like the only, the closest now is probably like Walter, I guess. Yeah. The modern day Goldberg, I guess, is kind of waltery. Um, I don't know. But I don't watch NXT UK, so I'm not familiar. <laughs> not familiar. And I will not watch NXT UK outside of the pay-per-views. Um All right, man. Well this has been great. You have a lot of wrestling to talk about tonight, so I will I not do. keep you any longer, my friend, but I appreciate you making the time. What uh, what can we check out from you guys this week? Because RBR, usually a Wednesday night show, but it is being taped tonight. Um something in the country was going on
1: yesterday uh yeah and it was just like i i no one could no, focus on wrestling. yeah the headspace was just not there <laughs> yeah so we're gonna do the show tonight at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific we are at mixler.com slash fanoff we're going to be talking about um a little bit of wrestle kingdom um dynamite from last night uh i'm sure um eric and paul are going to talk about nxt uh and yeah we'll we'll discuss some of the wrestling news of the week Including um, the news that uh, Tony Khan is buying theme songs and I'm just kind of excited about that because I've wanted wrestling companies to spend money on theme songs again for a long time and it might
0: you know push uh, push that get back on the let's not make crappy theme songs for everybody um,
1: yeah spend some money on yeah.
0: Roland for Undertaker like obviously that worked <laughs> you know well, it, hold on do you think edges worked I don't I mean who's to say who's to say metallica did did well for him who's to say it's a little who's to say (laughs) whom's amongst us have not uh, made that same mistake um will thank you as always for the time good sir i appreciate it stay safe out there and uh happy new year and i hope 2021 is a great year for you your family and rbr wrestling
1: thank you chase thank you for having me
0: we're back on the full ride on the chase thomas podcast i am the aforementioned chase thomas up here in knoxville tennessee where you know people are having a normal one uh in knoxville on the latest jeremy pritt news in the tennessee program but we'll save that for a bit down there in tequila georgia as he always is fellow university of north georgia alumni matt green matt good afternoon how are you sir good afternoon sir Good to talk to you again, man. Um, Lots happening. Uh, I don't know. uh, We talked uh, last about this, but um, Matt Wyatt and I will be doing, committed to doing um, some film study and working together and collaborating. uh, Former Mississippi State quarterback Matt Wyatt, he's been on the podcast before. Um, 2021 will be a big partnership there on the college football show we do here on the Chase Homes podcast on the full ride. Um, So I'm excited about that. Covering JT Daniels this week so we're going to be diving into some film there um yeah how how are you how's the how's the new year going
2: oh i can't complain man you know just uh other than college football coming to an end it's a uh it's a sad time for us uh diehard college football fans but uh yeah you know 2020 is uh in the rearview mirror and uh 2021 has already uh already brought in some uh, interesting things already off to a great start um but we for won't sure. get into
0: that in this podcast um heisman i think we have to start here um Devante smith no surprises there leads the country in td receptions just been a multi-td machine all year long post Jalen Waddle, they haven't missed a beat strong marvin harrison energy from mr Devonte smith um first high uh, first wide receiver to win the heisman since desmond howard uh did they get it right
2: Oh, absolutely, they did. Um, I was I was curious what you were saying with Marvin Strong, Marvin Harrison vibes. Oh, that's that, just who he plays like. That's his NFL comp. Oh, you think? Yeah, he seems. Yeah, I guess that's that's that seems like a good comparison. He he seems as as mild mannered as. Uh, well, Martin notable,
0: mild-mannered Marvin Harrison.
2: Uh, yeah, but we also we obviously learned more about his... Uh, his well, hold on, hold on. We, uh,
0: we, we'll, we'll, block, we'll block that out. I'm not trying to get, I, I, yeah, trying to get on his radar.
2: <laughs> fair enough. So, Marvin Harrison, class act. Never do anything wrong. Correct. Uh, moving on. Devontae Smith. But, um, yeah, I was actually looking at it. If you If you take out the Arkansas game... Where he only had, I think, like three catches for 22 yards. Mm. The last six games, this dude's got 57 catches, 1,063 yards, and 16 touchdowns. Just in the last six games that he's essentially played in. Like, just absurd numbers. Like, I think this is what it took. Like, this is what it takes for a wide receiver to win the Heisman. Like, you can't just have, like, a, a really good, productive season's wide receiver. Like, you have to just put it just ridiculous numbers. Like, I was looking, like, like you said, he's the first, uh, Wide receiver since Desmond Howard. Are you aware of the kind of numbers Desmond Howard put up? I don't think I truly gave him uh, props for his Heisman season. 19 receiving touchdowns in, in 1991, also, but he had 985 yards, and 19 receiving touchdowns, but he also had two rushing touchdowns, a punt return to the house, a kick return to the house. Like it's like that's what it takes for like the other positions to to win a Heisman. Like Kyle Trask, like if if Florida would have won out, won all their games, like. He would have won the Heisman, but it wouldn't have been anything like extraordinary that we haven't seen a quarterback do before. Like, no, no disrespect to Kyle Trask, like he was, he was balling. But like we've seen the Colt Brennan's, we've seen like Sam Bradford, we've seen Joe Burrow, we've seen quarterbacks put up just huge offensive numbers, and maybe not even be like someone like Joe Burrow, where they just like jump off the screen because they they kind of make plays with their legs too. It's like you've seen guys like Jason White, just like basic quarterbacks that just are really productive. Have a great have a Heisman uh, Trophy season, but this is I think this is what it takes for a wide receiver, and hopefully that you know this just breaks the seal, and now we can kind of get back to this not just being a quarterback award, just making it like the most just outstanding player in college football, because that's really what the award should be.
0: I get where you're coming from.
2: I don't think this is going to
0: be a pivotal moment in the Heisman committee becoming more inclusive of the Kyle Pitts and the Devontae Smiths of the world I think it's just how this season unfolded I think if Florida runs away with um with the SEC East and they don't really they, they win the SEC title game like Trask has this locked up like literally if he just beats Bama he wins this award and there's no doubt in my mind I think they'll always have the edge these top quarterbacks like if Trevor Lawrence plays the whole season they don't lose Notre Dame in the regular season? Does he jump all of them? Like, I think it was just the right kind of things had to fall in place. Everything fell in place for Devontae Smith. And one of them is just really unfortunate his teammate, Jalen Waddell, being out for the season. Like, if that doesn't happen, he's not on the radar. Like, it's
2: not happening for him. So, yeah, it's probably a solid three or 400 less receiving yards or so. Maybe yeah. four or five less touchdowns. I mean, do you remember, like, I
0: like, the whole thing with Waddle to start the season, like, he's just uncoverable. Like, this dude is just, he can stretch the field. He's just an absolute, just an incredible receiver. Just special. And then Devontae Smith, also special. And I just, I don't know. I think... It just everything fell the right way for him to win and a receiver to win the Heisman this year. But I still think it when we look back from twenty twenty to twenty thirty, I'm going to guess the Heisman still end up being eight of ten being quarterbacks.
2: And that's very possible. And I think if Trevor Lawrence had you know played Notre Dame, they went undefeated, and you know he had like a a spectacular game against Notre Dame, which he probably would have since that's usually what he does. You you might have seen that kind of career Heisman given to him because, you know, just a great three years. But uh but yeah, I, I think with what Devontae Smith did, you, you couldn't give it to him. But yeah, it is crazy because we were we were literally saying that Jalen Waddle was the best player on Alabama and maybe the best player in the country three or four weeks into the season. So it's that's just the embarrassment of riches that uh that Alabama has currently.
0: Yeah. And I don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. Um Brian Harson And just uh, he he came out full heel turn right away from Brian Harrison. Steel chair to the back of Shane Beamer this week. Um, Shane Beamer was finalizing his staff. He only had two open positions uh, left to fill um, as of 24 hours ago. And uh, now he needs several more additions to his staff because uh, Derek Mason is going to be his defensive coordinator in Plains. Mike Bobo has left um Shane Beamer as OC to become Harson's OC. Um it's also interesting to me that Harson is bringing his defensive coordinator from Boise, but he's only going to be like a linebacker's coach for Auburn. It's kind of strange there, but um yeah, that uh and then also Wilphy and um coming over to coach the offensive line at Auburn. So I I don't know what Shane Beamer in this group does because they I think Shane Beamer is the lowest paid um current sec head coach um and you know the the pool for money is different for every school and how much money they have towards assistance and if you're tennessee you have no money because they paused it um (laughs) what what do you make of all
2: this well, yeah, I think it is kind of interesting that uh, his D.C. would follow him from Boise but not get the defensive coordinator job. But if you hear that Boise State's defensive coordinator took the linebacker coach job at Auburn, you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. You know, that seems like a normal progression. But, but yeah, as far as Harson going out to South Carolina, getting Will Friend and Mike Bobo, that that's pretty – I don't know exactly about Will Friend. I think there's kind of – there's – Uh, conflicting uh, opinions about him. But Mike. same with Mike Bobo. But I just know when Mike Bobo was the offensive coordinator at Georgia for an extended period of time, Georgia had some of the best offenses they've ever had in school history. So I I assume he's going to be the one calling the plays. And uh, I guess he he usually runs more of a pro style offense. I don't know if that's what Harson wants to do or maybe spread it out. That's kind of that spread, well, style is long, spread now. like that's the thing is like
0: most quarterbacks are not under center in the NFL anymore like most of the quarterbacks coming in don't play that style so it's like the pro style is really just like Bama doesn't even do it anymore
2: well I mean but yeah that essentially is the pro style but yeah. a, but Auburn was still doing some kind of you know spread option kind of they were a lot of like, pistol yeah they had a different kind of thing going on so if they can just become a normal offense you know that just runs the ball well passes the ball well you know and kind of just plays how NFL teams are playing now, and like that's what Georgia did with Aaron Murray when Mike Bobo was Aaron Murray and Todd Gurley and, and that whole crew. Like they had some great offenses. So Auburn's not going to struggle to get uh, to get talent. And if Mike Bobo, if you can finally see some quarterbacks actually progress as their careers go on, that's something you just haven't seen uh, under Gus Malzahn. But but one note, I uh, when you when you wrote this down in our in our rundown you said that Harrison was stealing coaches from USC. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, USC? He's not taking anybody from USC. Mm-hmm. But SC, South Carolina, I was like, no, they're SC. They're not USC. <laughs> I just, I don't Man, know. Man, you're South really Carolina, going at Columbia. They love to USC. It's like, you're not USC. I'm sorry. USC's in Los Angeles. Like, you guys, you guys are just SC. You're going to have to deal with that. But, wow. but, yeah, I thought Derek Mason, I think that's a great hire for a, for a DC. So, um yeah, Mike Bobo. Yeah, you, know, you, you got to get some guys that recruit uh, that area since Harson has been at Boise State for so long. So I imagine recruiting has a has a big aspect of the of these hires. Another big
0: hire LSU needed this in a major way. Um, Jake Peets, DJ Mangus comes over from Carolina. They followed Joe Brady to Carolina to be Matt Rule's offensive coordinator um, this season. But they're going back to Baton Rouge and Ordron gets them back. They were both working under, like I said, Brady when uh, Burrow had his career year and LSU won the national title. They're getting the ba- gang back together. uh Steve Innsminger, I think is how you pronounce his last name, um has been. Sneer? Yeah, Inzmiger, I think. Yeah, well, he's going to a different role. Like, he's not calling plays anymore. He's not the passing game coordinator or anything like that anymore. Obviously, Scott Lenehan was let go. Bo plenty was let go. Um, we don't know who their dc is correct they still haven't hired a dc i don't think
2: no i have they have yet to hire one
0: so we'll see we'll see what happens i know they're interviewing marcus freeman from cincinnati this week maybe today which would be a huge hire um cincinnati's defense has been great you're familiar with them and what they did against georgia this past weekend um i think that would be great but orgeron uh knows he has i i think he's filling the heat and I think they are in win now mode, and they have to win next year. But good news for Max Johnson to get these guys in there. Um, LSU needed to make severe changes
2: to their staff, and uh, yeah, good for them. Ed Ordron's like, I know you guys are mad, but you remember <laughs> Joe Brady? Yeah. Well, these guys know Joe Brady. It's so... the new Sean McVay. <laughs> yeah, who, who knows? We'll see. We'll see what it, what, uh, what happens. Some good news for your program,
0: your Georgia Bulldogs, uh, JT Daniels is officially back. He announced on his Twitter account, so he will not be entering the draft, and he will be the starting quarterback in Athens this fall. Jordan Davis returning. Um, does that give you some peace of mind to finally have the quarterback position uh, solidified coming into next season for Georgia?
2: Yeah, without a doubt. I think those those are the biggest two pieces that like, if Georgia... I mean, JT Daniels, no one seriously thought he was going to go, but it was like, well... You never know with guys these days. He's had some good games, like he's eligible. So you didn't know that he was going to leave. Jordan Davis, I think, was the most irreplaceable player on Georgia's entire team this year. Like you saw when he was out, teams were able to run the ball on Georgia. And when he's in the lineup, teams just – the run is essentially – every team is one-dimensional against Georgia when Jordan Davis is in the lineup. So I think this these two guys coming back, I think, could honestly make Georgia the favorite – to win the sec like i know the alabama always going to be the favorite for good reason but uh thinking about like if they lose mac jones they're obviously going to lose a lot more from that team but uh it is interesting we kind of lump mac jones and with all those other quarterbacks that are definitely leaving and you haven't really heard as much about him in terms of mock drafts and nfl boards and things like that i feel like he's just had such a great season he'll probably leave but it's who knows at this point but um yeah, I think these, these two guys coming back, I think Georgia, it gives Georgia like 15, 16 starters uh, coming back from this year's team. So I think uh, and including almost the entire offense minus, I think, two offensive linemen. So uh, other than Zamir White, I think that's really the only other player on Georgia who's got the potential to leave if he chooses to stay or go. He's had a decent season. I don't think Georgia fans are really, like, hanging on that or anything. He's, he's fine. If he comes back, cool. If he, if he leaves – I'm sure Georgia's got enough running backs to replace him. But uh, I think Jordan Davis, this was by far the best news Georgia could have gotten uh this offseason.
0: Yeah. I uh I think Georgia's in well positioned to capitalize on uh Florida losing
2: everybody and Georgia and I and I and if you look at like the top six, seven teams, like all the teams that are ranked ahead of Georgia, like I think Spencer Rattler, assuming Mac Jones goes, like we just said, I think Spencer Rattler may be the only quarterback uh returning from or Spencer Rattler and JT Daniels, like the only quarterbacks returning from the top eight teams right now. So that could uh, definitely be an advantage for Georgia. Well, it'll be nice to get some fresh blood in the college football playoff
0: next year. Let me check my notes here. Oklahoma, Bama, Georgia, and probably Ohio
2: State. Really excited to do another. So who, who's Ohio State's quarterback going to be next year? I don't even, I'm in
0: sure Washington. they'll find somebody.
2: I, I think they're going to be okay. I'd have to pull it up. But yeah. um,
0: the University of Tennessee my volunteers are, are in trouble. Um, kind of a damning report. There's an internal investigation going on with UT. Um, they've now paused all their salaries, uh, assistant coach salaries um, or raises or something um, while the investigation is pending. Uh, Chris Lowe uh, mentioned that he cannot see um, Pruitt surviving this so i because i was one of the people who thought that like it was just very unlikely that they were going to clean house um now we're at the point where the more i read the more i li- get listen to different people talk about this that he will not survive this and uh ut will be making a change potentially um i think i i'm <laughs> t- clearly tennessee's problems go far deeper than just Jeremy Pruitt and Jared Garantano, but um, this is bad. Um, this is worse than what Florida did. This is worse than uh, a lot of other schools are dealing with right now. And um, I don't know. I, I think the best case scenario is they can fire with cause and save a lot of money and use that money for a bigger name coach. But man, I don't know. It's just it's very depressing.
2: Yeah, and it sounds like that's what they're trying to do, right? After uh, giving giving that extension they're like all right how can we fire this guy and save as much money as possible lack of but, institutional um, control here we go yeah right so i uh man i feel for you right now i know it's uh, it's it's been a rough rough few years for tennessee fans and it we thought it was getting better and now it looks like it's just gonna gonna be more of more of the same
0: yeah, but specifically, folks, um, here's like kind of what's going on. So they have two vacancies right now um, because he fired uh, the defensive line coach after four games, and Will Friend left the team. And they have not hired their replacements. So if they're pausing that because they're in, they're going you know, to complete their inquiry first, like the a lot of the best names are going to be off the board. And I, I just this is a disaster. Like this is really, really bad. Um there are coaches who have their deals likely expire at the end of the month. That includes Tennessee legend national champion T Martin. Uh Brian Niedermeyer is maybe their best recruiter, linebacker's coach. Um Eric Gray was let, held out of the Texas A&M game because of uh the inquiry um per ESPN. But man, I just I don't know, man. This is all really bad. Um we'll we'll see. Um we'll see what happens, but I i just think this is going to continue to get worse it seems like um ryan walters and a stunner he was held on uh from the barry odom staff at mizzou to be mizzou's defensive coordinator this year um with eli drinkwitz and he's he's gone he brett bielma pulled him from columbia to Champaign, so he will be brett bielma's defensive coordinator what do you think
2: yeah, I think I thought that was an interesting move, like going from Missouri to Illinois. But it seems like a I step mean, back. Yeah, it does. But Brett Bielema does have more of a reputation as a as a head coach than Eli Drinkwitz. So maybe you think kind of hitching your wagon to a guy like Bielema who's got some NFL experience, got some you know big time places like Wisconsin. I guess Arkansas isn't necessarily that big time, but Bielema definitely has is a bigger name in the coaching circles than, than Drinkwitz, So I would, I, that's, that's the biggest, uh, that's the best rationale I can come up with, I guess.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't know what happens here, but build, Beal, he's, Bielma is building a staff, uh, if you will. Um, last coaching was, nugget. See what you did there. Yeah. You like that. <laughs> um, Don Brown recently let go from Michigan as Jim Harbaugh retools his staff. Um, he is wound up at the University of Arizona to be Jed Fish, new Arizona football coaches and former, um, former New England Patriots quarterback coach Jed Fish um, join his staff as his DC. So Fish, I think Arizona is maybe the if it's not the toughest Power Five job, it's one of them. And uh, we'll see if it all works out. But man, we go back and look at that Rich Rod years. They just. What was Arizona thinking? like he, I think, had a winning record at Arizona, which is just preposterous um at this point, but um yeah we'll we'll have to see how all this unfolds, but an interesting hire nonetheless.
2: Yeah, it seems like there was a middle ground like getting fired at Michigan and becoming the d c somewhere else other than Arizona. It seems like he could have resurfaced somewhere, not not the bottom of the power five, but uh but there he is
0: yeah we we shall see what happens, but tough
2: kick. Tough gig.
0: Um, let's do our college ball playoff preview. If it happens on the 11th as planned, Nick Saban's daughter doesn't seem to think so. She uh, <laughs> she chimed in, giving the Buckeyes more bulletin board material. Which who are they? like Dabo number 11, and then we got Nick Saban's daughter going after the Buckeyes. Uh, it's a conspiracy to help J- uh, Justin Fields heal using COVID. The classic case of using COVID 19 precautions to. Protect Justin Fields' uh, ribs. Uh, that uh, that is what you do. Um, that, that old story. Yeah, that,
2: hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna yeah. give you a, a hot take here. Uh huh. I'm I'm gonna guess Nick Saban's daughter never does this once ever again. <laughs> like, cause Saban, oh, he's got to be so pissed. Like, yeah, Alabama players never give Bullish and board material. Like, they never do stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's because Saban controls the message. You know, it just. He just runs a tight ship, and now his daughter's saying something he's like, "I'm gonna have to treat you like one of my players right This is how we do things. This is the process, and you can't you can't be running off your mouth on Twitter like we got we got games to play
0: like you don't need to be a part of the story yeah he just she just gets pulled um like the his married daughter married adult daughter he's just like, nope, pulling your stuff like you, you've lost <laughs> your just grounding his daughter his uh, adult daughter um, I could see it, so the spread is the Tide, minus 8. The over-under is 75 points. The money line is Crimson Tide, minus 290. Buckeyes, plus 245. Bama is 7-1 against the spread in their last eight games against Big Ten opponents. The last time they didn't, obviously, is when Ohio State won um, with Ezekiel Elliott that year. Um, Ohio State has a plus 21.4 point differential. Something has to give... Of those numbers, of those gambling numbers, what is, what at, what entices you the most, Matt Green?
2: I don't know, man. Those are uh, those are some difficult numbers right there. The uh, the seventy five over under that's what tripped out to me. I'm like, yeah, that's I'm banging tough that one. for me because well, see, I was just my I just I come up with my score prediction first, and my score prediction. I don't know. Spoiler alert or anything. No, but we can I it yeah. 42, I was going forty two. I was going forty two thirty five. Alabama. So I was like, "Oh, shoot. That's right there. Like that, what is that 77 points?" Yep. So, I'm I'm barely over, but I yeah, I guess I'll go over on that one. I feel like whenever we They're literally averaging a 50 a game.
0: They're literally sure. averaging 50 a game. All Ohio State has to do is break tw- four touchdowns. All they have to do is score four times.
2: Well, I mean, I would assume Ohio State is going to give them a little bit more of a push, push on a defensively than do than you because i got at. some ohio state defensive numbers for i mean me. the defense hasn't been great but uh Sean Wade hold- going at
0: Devonte smith like i want to cover him and he's not had the best season like mm-hmm. what are you doing like that was one of those where i'm like i don't yeah. think you want that in your life like, why would you- yeah cornell powell just like abused
2: you yeah. man. like what do you think Devonte smith <laughs> is gonna
0: do oh man um but here's some some ohio state uh Stats very defensively. They are 60th in passing success rate, and they're 50th in passing explosiveness. PFF grades them as the 35th best coverage unit in the country and 71st best tackling team. This all seems bad when you're playing Alabama.
2: Yeah, without a doubt. Like good, good pass defense. I think Georgia was probably pretty highly ranked in terms of pass defense, especially when they played Alabama earlier in the year, and and they got absolutely abused. So. Uh, a team that's actually been passed on by, uh, been thrown on by teams like uh, Indiana. Like I don't, I don't know how Ohio State is going to get stops. But my thought on this game is, I, I just have this feeling like Justin Fields is going to channel like his Deshaun Watson. Like I just feel like we're going to walk away from this game thinking like, wow, Justin Fields is actually the best player in college football. Like that's, I think Justin Fields is going to put the team. Oh his wow. Back. And, like, that's that's why this game is going to be as after close. After doubting
0: because. him against Clemson, you're all in.
2: It's not that I was doubting him against Clemson. It was just Clemson has just been dominant, you know? So, I was just more – I was probably more focused on Clemson's offense versus Ohio State's defense and, you know, maybe selling fields a little short. But, yeah, I mean, after that performance he had against Clemson, like, Alabama's defense has been better than Clemson's this year, but – this hasn't, isn't necessarily the the most flawless Alabama defense we've seen. You know, like, they're still good at, uh, at defending the run. So I don't see Trey Sermon going off like he has the last couple games against Alabama, but I just think Justin Fields is going to, like, will this team to just – for to this being a four-quarter game. Like, I think he's just going to be that good in this game that he's going to keep it close, but ultimately – like we've said, I just don't see how they stop Najee Harris, how they stop Devontae Smith, and just yeah, like I, I think Alabama's offense is gonna be too much, but but Justin Fields is gonna put on a show. Interesting.
0: Um I've been going back and forth all week about what I think ends up happening here. I I don't think it's gonna be Justin Fields' fault. Hey.
2: Yeah, and trust me, as a Georgia fan, I am rooting against Justin Fields. I do not want to see him raising that trophy <laughs> while we're sitting at home. But I just... Dude, dude's a baller. He's incredible.
0: Um, he's damn near perfect last week. I still just... I can't do it. I, Bama's just too good. Bama just feels like a complete team. Dylan Moses leading the team in tackles. Like Him being back this year has been a godsend for them. Patrick Sertain, I'm interested to see how he... Matches up with uh, Chris Olave. I, I just think Bam is more complete. I didn't. I thought Clemson had problems. I didn't think they were as complete as they could be. And also the Clemson like the whole like scheduling stuff. Like Clemson had a month off. Clemson played like one game in a month. I I, I hated that fallout of like well Ohio
2: State played half the games. So I'm like Clemson was rested.
0: They they had a month. Yeah,
2: they look well rested, don't they? It's like Clemson was well rested too.
0: Yeah, like let's uh let's let's pump the brakes there, and that being the reason as to why Clemson lost that football game. Um. I don't know. I just I'm not betting against Bama this year. They are the this might be like the most dominant Bama team in our lifetime, right? Like this is a, that is a distinct possibility, especially if Jalen Waldo never got hurt and if he plays in this game and just gives them kick return, punt return stuff. Like they just they have too many options, and this is the best offensive line they've ever had. And I don't think Ohio State's going to get home. I think Sean Wade is going to have a rough day, and I think Bama is just going to put up too many points, even for Justin Fields to to overcome. So give me. Bama, let's go Bama forty nine. Ohio, I, no, let's go Bama fifty two.
2: Ohio State thirty five. Okay, so you think they're cruising in this one? I really do. Or do you think it's a, do you think it's a game that they like into the third, into the fourth quarter, but they just kind of break it open? Or you think it's like I they're, think the second half, half is when like open. The whole game. I, I think it's gonna be close at the end of the
0: first half. It's like seventeen nine or something, and we're like, oh, they they just a couple things could have gone their way. Just a couple, they the Ohio State kicked some field goals, so they needed to to put the ball in the end zone. And then um the second half is just when Ohio State's pass defense just really falls apart, is is gonna be my guess.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I um I th- I think it's crazy to say with how dominant Alabama has been to this point. I kind of think the 2015 team was like their best team uh, with Jacob Coker at the, as the starter, even though he wasn't like their best quarterback or anything. But that was that team that scored just ridiculous number of defensive touchdowns. Like it was like they would have won like six games without scoring an offensive touchdown. That team was dominant, I and mean, that was Derrick Henry's 2,000 yard season. But this Alabama team—it just seems so much easier. It just seems like everything they do, you're like, "Wow, another seventy-yard tu- 70 touchdown!" You like, you walk into another other, into the other room for a second, you're like, "Oh, yeah, Alabama scored a touchdown, by the way." It's just this team's just absurd. Yeah.
0: Well, we have to wrap up here, Matt Green. Um, thank you, as always, sir. Um, we'll be back next week um, on the podcast, so we uh, will probably wait until after the national title game to record our next pod um, just so we can appreciate yeah, sure. that. And then uh, some more coaching news I'm going to guess pops up there um, for that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green for myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all I've got. Good, sir. We will talk again very soon. Sounds good, man.